Welcome once again to Stories and Lies. Thank you all for listening. If you're interested in supporting the show as we continue through Season 1 and our first story, check out our Patreon or get in touch. You can find us at storiesandliespodcast.com and our Patreon is patreon.com slash storiesandlies. We also love to hear what people think and how we can improve, so feel free to reach out to us about things you like or ideas you have that can make the show better. Alright, enough blabber. Here is Episode 9, Aligning. Banks are mostly clean, but... I don't know who they are. But you gotta take this along. Implications. So, Mr. Morrison, I understand that you're not eating. Uh, some of the other nurses are getting concerned about you. What the hell you people try to feed me, son? It's good food. Nutritious. We have a dietitian that makes sure you're getting all the nutrients, fiber, uh, vitamins, you know. All the things that a person in their sunset years needs to stay healthy and alert. Sunset years? Can't you people just say old folks, elderly, people on the brink of death? You're not dying, sir. I will be if you keep feeding me this crap. Actually, you will be if you don't eat it. Whatever happened to hamburgers? Aren't we still in America? We had some residents uh, choke on those in the past. If I'm going to die here, I'll want to die with a cheeseburger and a malted and some overdone fries in my gut. The good ones, too. Crinkle cut. And you don't need a flame grill it, son. I'll take the burger straight off the griddle with cheese melting right off it. You got me? Yeah, that's not happening. Uh, but it does sound to me like you're hungry. So how about this? You eat this chili and these crackers, and I'll hang out here and listen while you finish telling me that story. This ain't chili, son. There's, there's beans in here. You probably ruined it by putting tomato paste or something in it. And it's not spicy. You'll absolutely hate it. Saltine crackers? Only the best. Why do I get the feeling that you're giving me this god-awful grub has something to do with the story that I've been telling you? Nothing of the sort. I, I was hoping that you'd tell me why uh, Frederick, the uh, FBI agent, suddenly braked the car when uh, uh, Dorothy and, and Willow were talking about the ritual. I get that he doesn't want them to perform it. He already warned her about that earlier. But he seems uh, unusually upset about this. And I assume there's a reason. Yeah, that there is, son. Uh, Fred had a lot of experience before he came to work for me. Probably more experience than I had, to, to be honest. Uh, but, but Fred, you see, he had a reputation of sort. As a guy you could rely on to get things done. What kinds of things do you mean? Uh, the kind of things we ain't supposed to talk about. I see. Uh, things that just needed to get done. And, and men like that... They try to make their peace with it. They, they try to make it uh, okay to do that sort of work. Uh, do horrible things, but for the right reasons. But you can't. You can't ever just shove all that aside. Uh, you see, Fred, he wasn't a sociopath. Uh, he was a man wrestling with demons. And when you fight with demons, well, eventually, the demons figure out how to win. They tell me all your stories All the little worries you cry They tell me what the world needs
please what to say who to please where my loyalty should lie driven by Fred and just skidded the, br- the brakes had skid come to a complete stop on the road, the country road um, to much of the surprise of Dorothy and Willow. And we've got the dust from the country road drifting past the windows heading forward as Fred sits with that uh, concerned look on his face that worries you both in the front seat. And we'll start from here. Uh, Fred is, is everything okay? Yep. What's what's going on? I'm good. We can keep going. And Dorothy looks at Willow and it's just like, what the fuck? He just presses on the gas and keeps rolling. Right. Willow just kind of shakes her head and lets it go. Like, and Fred, which where is your next destination? Where are you taking the vehicle? I don't believe we had settled uh, on this. So probably after maybe five, I imagine, very awkward minutes, um, Fred is going to speak up. Um, he kind of still looks concerned, but he, he just seems a bit off, almost like he's a daydreaming. Um kind of turns a bit, making sure that he's, he's not driving off the road, but he, he actually turns uh, and, and just kind of says, what's our next stop? Um, you two were talking about um, the ritual, you called it, uh, uh, just having uh, fun with it or something, just kind of completely finishing it, seeing what happens. Well, it might it might be useful to try to understand more of you know what they're doing what what is this whole thing is that some kind of i don't know ceremony or way to make contact with something i, I don't know I mean, we don't know unless we look into it more so you you want need to know what happens when you finish it. I see it as two possible paths. Right? George left this obviously for us to find it, arguably Dorothy to find it, interpret it, and gain some understanding from it. And he either left it as a warning or as instructions. And at this point, we've pretty much exhausted all of our resources and logic on trying to figure out the 
the why, right? We don't we even come up with that answer anywhere else. Mm. We're down to a very narrow set of options to continue answering questions without going further over our authority than we already have. And she looks intently at Fred on this one. Yeah. Um, we both know Fred, we pushed it. Very, very... Usually always very stone-faced, but he looks just annoyed. Um, just kind of sighs. Looks at the road for a few seconds. Ties back and kind of turns to look at you both again. Look, if you think it, if you think it's going to help, I'm not going to stop you. You both do it. I'll go... See what CPS about Regina, if, if they have any information on that, whatever happened and why they, they took her. If you want to do it, do it. I'll be back at the hotel, take the time you need, and whatever happens, once that's done, come back and I'll be in my room. We'll talk. Um, Frederick, I mean this... Um... As politely as possible. Shoot. So, please don't take it the wrong way. What are you afraid of with this? He doesn't reply for a couple of seconds. Willow gives you a look. Like, the look says, I can ask those questions. I'm surprised you did. I think he just probably be focusing very hard right now on driving um, because otherwise he'd crush the car. She won't push it. If, she, if he doesn't say anything, she'll, she won't say anything either. He repeats, if you want to do it, do it. We'll talk after. Uh, Dorothy kind of mumbles almost to herself. Want is a strong word, but curiosity is even stronger. Usually he'd pick up on something like this, but he's, he's too fo focused on his own thoughts in the road. Willow asks, Fred, do you think it's too dangerous to do, or do you think it's too dangerous for you to be around when it's done? Those are That's a big distinction for me. I don't take you as... Someone who is scared. I don't think you as someone who would run from an engagement. So, if I'm getting into something over my head that I can't deal with, I trust you to tell me I shouldn't do that. I don't think it'll get you both killed, if that's what you're asking. But if you want to do it, I want you both to see. What do you mean? You'll, you'll understand what I mean. I can't explain it for you. Willow just looks at Dorothy and says, I'm still on curiosity side on this one. Dorothy nods kind of sheepishly and uh, is quiet. So your group drives in a kind of an awkward silence as you leave the, the country area to the northeast of Houston, get back on the freeway, and head westward, back towards the city of Houston. It's right around 3 o'clock in the afternoon as you arrive back in the city. 
you have some options of where you want to go. So let me know where's uh, where's our group going and is the group splitting up? That's a good question. Do do we want to all of us go visit CPS and then split off after there, or do we want to split up now? Fred, I feel like that should be up to you. Do you want backup, or do you want to take it on solo? I can see both ways having an advantage. If if you want to co come along for a CPS, sure, we, we can uh, we can go as a group. Uh, more heads, uh, always a good thing. Okay, let's do that. I think maybe we go to CPS then, and then if we don't find some other avenue, we can go back to my place and we can use the lab for the experiment. Okay. Alright, it doesn't take too long. You go just back into downtown Houston, um, in the kind of, you know, the area where we have a lot of different these older, not so well maintained municipal buildings. The Texas Department of Family and Protective Services that we all know to be CBS, frankly, uh, is located in a single story administrative building with a couple of other local county and city agencies like the probation department and, you know, and a couple other of these smaller, not well-funded social agencies that exist here in the city of Houston. So there is, as you would expect, a parking lot uh, with plenty of parking spaces and the front of the building has got glass windows and glass doors and there are actually people coming and going that have appointments and check-ins and whatnot here at this building. So as you arrive, you park the vehicle. There's not much to notice out here in the parking lot. It's, it is another very warm day in Houston, and it feels like the city or, or the sky is just pulling all the moisture up out of the rivers and the streams and the bogs and, and the, the near, you know, and the gulf. And it, all the moisture is just starting to hover and, and surround you and the, the city streets and sidewalks and the humidity is climbing and just being outside is something very uncomfortable. So you head inside. Um, it's air conditioned as all the buildings would be. All right. And there's a, there's a line of people at this front desk, which is like staffed by one single person who's helping all these people who have appointments and things here. Uh, there's a bunch of kind of helpful posters on the wall about city services and things and advice about good parenting and, you know, whatever. Um, and there's not that much to look at. This small waiting area has got old furniture. You know, the, the floors are dirty. Uh, ceiling's a, a drop ceiling with some mold showing. How do you want to address this situation that you're in? Is the... Does Willow recognize the lady on duty from when she uh, used Willow to come here? Willow does not. Yeah. Okay. And, I'm, and I, I don't imagine Willow has spent much time in this building, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong. This is where she came for probation at 17. So it's been a couple of years, but like she recognizes the layout and the posters are different. But yeah, the, the, the person is... Are, the posters are mostly the same. <laughs> mostly the same. <laughs> they have not changed that much. The, the furniture looks exactly the same. The floors, everything here looks just dirtier than it was uh, you know, almost 10 years ago. Um, right. But I mean, I also I don't think Willow spent a lot of time in the lobby you know, it was probably a, a placement brief. Yeah, so 
she was as soon as she came in the door just naturally kind of went off to the side down like uh, one of the protected areas where you go back to see people and get to the elevators and if she didn't recognize the person she would probably look super awkward trying to do this like she's used to you know high whatever and going through so she'd probably just kind of stumble over herself when she got close to the I assume there's a guard keeping you from the gates like uh, yeah, there, it, it's not public there's... access it looks like a, it's just a social worker, really. There, you don't see any. There's no police, sheriff, or even security people here, but there is a social worker who's kind of who's responsible for kind of gating people to enter or exit. You know, and so that it's minimal security, but there is a token security. So I guess what uh, Dorothy and Fred see is Willow start to look all confident that she knows what she's doing, and then walk towards somewhere and go, "Oh, this is not going to work the way I thought," and kind of stumble on herself there. I think Dorothy instinctively goes to just wait in line. What does Fred do? <laughs> he cuts the line. Uh, <laughs> he just strolls right to the counter. Um, kind of... Like... He doesn't shove the person at the counter. That'd be super rude. But just kind of steps a bit in front. Says, sorry. Pulls out his badge. Shows it to the social worker. Special Agent uh, Frederick Fontaine. I'm really sorry about this, but we need to get things moving. Uh, could we uh, have access to potential files for an active uh, kidnapping? Yeah. So um, you're basically interrupting a conversation that's happening between the social oh, worker, yeah. who's not really the one talking, and uh, and a parent who's just talking, quickly talking the ear off the social worker, just trying to get their attention, their help, or whatever. You know, but you're able to butt in, and the social worker kind of looks at you with this tired look on her face, and you say essentially about a kidnapping. Um, she nods a little bit to you and then says to this parent, um, I'm sorry, Miss Wilkins, did you just hold on for just one moment, please? Um, then she gives you your attention, friend. I'm, I'm sorry, um, who are you, sir? Um, Special Agent uh, Frederick Fontaine. Uh, this is uh, Willow Keeson, uh, and this is uh, Dorothy Somerset. We're, we're all, um, as I said, there's uh, you might have heard about it, uh, a whole thing about E.E., young girl uh, having been kidnapped um social worker nods at you yeah you mean regina yes we we know um are you you're oh i understand she um she hits a little buzzer on the desk um to your right that the the simple doorway that leads between the wedding area and, and offices buzzes um to let you in thank you and I think during that, Dorothy was, like, still standing in line, but when uh, when she hears Fred mention, she kind of, like, leans over and, like, waves a little bit and then just starts, like, slowly walking up to the front. So she'll tag along with you. Willow was just all kinds of awkward that whole time. So the three of you all enter um, into the office area, and what you see is mostly cubicles, um, and there are lots of different social workers in their cubicles, which are small spaces stacked with paper and file folders and documents and boxes and, you know, just a mess of work on their desks. And they are either on their very large CRT computers, large keyboards. Some are on the phone. They're just sitting there on the phone doing their calls. There's a lot of conversation from lots of different phone calls. Um, and as you look around the office, Fred, you, you notice there's a supervisor's office in the corner. I figure that's probably the best place to go. Yeah, he heads there. He's walking fast. He's he's not there to like 
waste any time. Uh, goes right there, uh, offers his hand to shake, uh, and, and uh, introduces himself again. And uh, what you've got for the and... office, it, it's a corner office that's actually not part of the cube. It's an office office, right? Yep. Uh, door is open. There's a glass window beside it, and it's it's looks about the size of a large supply closet, as far as real estate goes. But it's an office that's somewhat separated from the rest of the floor. Um, in this office, you've got a simple desk, you've got a large computer, you know, taking up most of the space, a file cabinet taking up the rest of the space, frankly. Um, and there's an African-American woman. It says that Miss Jackson is what her the label is on her door. And she is working on something on her computer. And she notices you immediately as you come in. And she stands up and kind of gives you this very quizzical look, waiting for you to say something. Offers his hand to hold dance once again. Special Agent Frederick Fontaine. This is Willow Keeson. This is Dorothy Somerset with the FBI. Uh, we're here for uh, Regina Balfour, who uh, has been kidnapped, and we uh, we found out that um, she spent some time in the the gears of uh, well CPS or you know what I mean here. You've probably have a, a file somewhere. Uh, 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 I'm sorry, sir. I mean, uh, we, we're we all here at the office very familiar with Miss uh, Regina Balfour and her, her disappearance, but I, we don't have anything to, to, to do with that. I don't I don't quite understand. I I know this is like a very far shot, um, really complicated, technically very... All of this is... is changing every day but at this point there might be something in there that helps us out so dorothy kind of steps in and says we were speaking with the family and we were made informed that there was a period of time in the last year or so a couple of years that um that she was uh brought into the protective services system um from her family they that she was taken from her family uh, we're we're curious if there's anything that we can access in in the files from that time that might give us some information on where to pursue next for finding her. Anything about what happened, why she was she, why she was brought in, what was going on at the time? We know that it has to do with uh, a medical situation that she has. Is there any way you can help us? Well, um. I, I... To be honest with you, I, I don't really have any recollection of this, that, that girl being in our care. Um, when, when, do you, when did this happen? It was, um, I'm asking out of character, was this, it was like a, a year and a half ago? Or it was when she got sick, right? Three years ago. Three years ago? Okay. Yep. So, so Miss Jackson nods a little bit, kind of pondering. It says three, three, um, um, there's a look on her face, like her expression changes. She says, that, oh my, I, I think I do remember the case you're talking about. Um, religious family, right? Yes. Now, I mean, we hear that the Texas Department of Family Protection Services, uh, we, we don't make it our policy to judge people based on their religious practices and, and holdings. Uh, we hear the state of Texas, I mean, freedom of religion. Um, you know, we, if, if someone's practicing you know, Islam, or, or, or some Hindu thing, um, we, we don't take the children away because of that. Uh, 
if they're, they're, they're Buddhists or Confucianists or I don't know, uh, whatever. Zoroastrians or something. If, you know, unless their parents are smoking a lot of weed or something at home. We don't get involved. So um, I just got to say, I mean, I remember this case. This, uh, these people, they were um, very devout Christians. Uh, yes. and, and one of our social workers um, took that little girl away. She must have been, goodness gracious, uh, three or four years old at the time. Um, I believe she was our assistant for a couple of weeks. Yeah, we, we heard before. about three weeks. Um, if, if you don't mind, um, she backs away to her desk, sits down, gets her keyboard, type, types in some search terms. Um, what was that girl's last name? Balfour. That's yeah, that's right. Okay, and she, she types the keyboard. It's a quick search. Um, on the giant CRT monitor, information comes up, and so she starts kind of looking through the notes on her computer screen, and says, "Okay, um, oh guess yeah, that um, our social worker involved in that case was suspended for a little while, disciplinary reasons. We ultimately found that she had made a wrongful detention of that girl. Um, that case was thrown out by the the court." Um, we we didn't. Once we learned about the facts of the case, we dropped it. The judge dismissed it, and um, we, there was even a disciplinary hearing. I think the union got involved. With um, goodness, she looks at her notes. It was a Miss Peel was the social worker. Uh, she'd never done anything like that before, and, and never since. Um, but she, I was at the hearing. She, she didn't explain herself. She basically just told us she thought she was doing the right thing. That was her explanation to the panel. And she said that whatever discipline we imposed, she would accept it. Uh, and she apologized to the panel for her behavior. And ever since, we haven't had any trouble with Lindsay. And was that um, Keel or Peel? Um, Peel. Okay. Uh, Miss Lindsay Peel. She's one of our, she's been with the department a good five, six years now. Um, she stands up at her desk and kind of looks through the sliver of window that's beside her door, kind of looking out at the bullpen. Um, I don't think she's here, but a lot of our, our workers do, they do checks, they're out in the field, they're investigating, so we don't always have our workers present. This is mostly where they do their office work and their follow-ups. Um, I can page Miss Peel if that would be helpful, uh, if you want to speak to her directly about the case. she, she Maybe she could tell you more, but I, I, I remember um, our files here indicate, let me, she, she looks at her computer screen for a second, um, the allegation that we put on the petition, well, Miss Peel put on the petition, was uh, child abuse, neglect, and a dangerous household were the allegations that she had filed under. Um, we don't have to submit any evidence at the time of the detention. We just have to essentially get the petition to the court. And so she was taken um, and placed in foster care for a short time until, uh, of course, you know, the, cr- the system starts working out and we have to give, we have to give evidence, right? And unfortunately, Miss Peel didn't have any evidence to support any of those allegations. Um, she had said something. Um, I think she said at one point she had a witness, but then later said that the witness didn't want to cooperate. And okay. I think that was part of why we understood or we kind of gave her some slack that maybe it wasn't her fault. Maybe someone had set her up or someone had misled her. So... Um, but the, the nowhere in the documentation does it indicate who the witness was. We have no statements, no testimony, no nothing. Is there any information in the records about what her family did to try to get her back? Any um, 
legal cases that were filed or or anything else that might be yeah so miss jackson looks through her computer records and she checks a couple screens and it's f1 and f7 and you know you know scrolls through some pages uh, for a bit and she says um just looking through our registry here it just looks like the standard process um they they were unrepresented but they were at a council appointed at the time and they denied the allegations that so we set it for a hearing and then the process sort of fell apart when we didn't have any information to disclose we didn't have any evidence obviously which they're entitled to and frankly we really can't get a detention holding without some sort of evidence so um yeah it looks like pretty standard procedure except on, of course on our part it was kind of a we, we apologized to the family. We returned to the family once the whole thing happened. Uh, there wasn't any lawsuits, if that's what you're interested in. Okay. And, uh, she checks another screen. Um, no further follow-ups, no further complaints, no further investigations with that family and with that, that minor. So So Willow kind of, for the first time, like leans off the wall that she's been leaning on and says, So you held a child against their family's will. For three weeks, and they never filed any kind of wrongful long suit, or there was no repercussions outside of an internal disciplinary of the employee. Well, well thankfully, they didn't sue us. That's that's true. But um, yeah, we we of course let the family know that we uh, reprimanded the social worker involved. We had a disciplinary hearing. She was suspended without pay for two weeks. Um, we handled it internally, and you know, some folks they some folks don't like to go to court. And I, I, I can understand. Did the family provide any evidence uh, to the contrary of the claims? Uh, nothing I see here. Um, she looks through computer screens a couple of times. Um, they just they denied it in court. It was just a denial. They um, they're not required, of course, to disprove. Um, they're allowed to, uh, my, you know, mind you. So we have a lot of families that bring in uh, letters of support, character witnesses. Uh, doctor's letters. We, we have a lot of families that really litigate these issues, as you can understand. So, uh, thankfully, we didn't have to worry so much about that with this particular family. Okay. Can I uh, ask you a question about a uh, Miss Peel? Oh, oh, certainly. She. So you said she's still working here. She's been here for five years. Um, I think she's been more than five years. Maybe six or seven. She's one of our younger social workers. Uh, well. Frankly, a lot of our employees are more on the younger side. This 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 business uh, kind of tends to burn a lot of people out. So um, it does. So she's uh, she's been a good worker. I haven't. Frankly, this is the only case we've ever had a real issue with. Uh, she otherwise very reliable, resourceful, independent. Uh, takes care of her work. Turns her turns things in. Appears in court. Um, she's got a good heart. Mm. Well, that's all I wanted to know. Okay. Uh, anything else I could do for you, uh, you fellows? If you could page Miss Peel, that would be great. I, yes. I have a she name I'd like you to... On the wall, she's got like a list, a roster with everyone's pager numbers. She gets that, gets her, you know, the phone out, dials and does a process, pages it, puts a little 911 after it, hangs up the phone, you know, kind of just looks at the, the three of you. Uh, I wonder if you could run another name through your database real quick for me. Uh, okay. Uh, Zach Nekowitz. Okay, um, and how do you spell that? Nowitzki. What he said. 
Nowitzki. Okay. Um, is that a miner's name or is that a, um, a parent's name? Uh, I think it might have been a, somebody involved in his, maybe a temporary custody order or something like that. So an adult. Uh, she she goes through a couple computer screens and checks a couple other things as well before looking at you and just kind of shrugging. It's, uh, yeah, it's not coming up in the system. It might be another county, uh, another another city. Uh, we we handle Houston and some of the outlying areas, but we're we're, we're mostly, uh, you know, a city organization. Thank you. I appreciate that. I think that's all I had. Just wanted to. Would love to speak to Mrs. Peel if she responds to your page. Uh, oh, if she does call me back, is there is there a number I should give her? Um, that would be helpful. Willow looks at Fred. Dorothy looks at Fred. His, uh, yep, his, his pager. Okay. So she she writes your pager down. Unless you want to give her a business card. That would... You want to do that? Okay. No. All right, she just writes down your pager number, asks what name. Frederick Fontaine. All right, she writes that down. Okay, so um, if, if Lindsay does page me, I, I will or call me back. Uh, I'll give her this information and have her get in, in touch with you. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. I think yeah, I hope this helps you find find a little girl. Us too. Yep, Dorothy nods. I think it will. All right, so with that, the three of you leave the uh, the building. Or you want to do some other exploration investigation? I think that's probably it here. Um, I assume yep. this won't really lead to anything, but it's worth checking. Um, but I don't think there's anything else worth checking right now here. Nope. So go back to the to the car. All right, good. So you head back outside of the in the heat and the humidity. Back in the car, start it up immediately. Blast the air conditioners. Cool things down a bit. Sit there for a moment. Uh, where do you want to go next? Red just kind of as soon as he sits down. Starts the car and everything, just kind of buckles his, his seatbelt. He says, I think that witness is George. Or was George. I think you're right. Yep. He didn't want to blow his cover. Yep. So, or... that probably doesn't really lead us anywhere. Just because one witness, you know, filed some kind of a complaint. And they took her in, but they had nothing to go on. It almost seems like... And she, she looks like... Um, she looks a little bit, like, disappointed and doesn't want to believe it, but she says, it almost feels like he did it out of spite. So Willow kind of, like, first it's a real sharp look, and then it, like, softens pretty hard, because Willow says, Fred, we should get out of here. We drive, do you remember where my place is? Yeah. yeah. Let's go over there. Let's get out of this parking lot. Mm. She looks at Dorothy and she says, I was just sitting here thinking... What if it is on the surface what it appears to be? We're very biased. And she looks directly at Dorothy. Like, Fred has less bias here than we do, but still some, obviously. Yeah. So we've only been looking at this from one point of view. There is a surface-level explanation present. We're just ignoring it. Yeah. You know I don't want to believe that. And Me either. Right, but... Yeah, I mean, it, it's worth considering. I think it's worth keeping in mind. But I think right now the highest priority is finding that girl. So, still have to operate under the assumption that George isn't evil. Because I believe that. Like, George isn't going to just take a little girl from their, his, the, 
little girl's family for no reason, right? So, what was... Same question I've had since we saw the video footage. What was so important to George that he was willing to do this? What made him put that little girl in the car? Especially after everything we found out. So, if this was three years ago, this has been on George's radar that long, what continued to escalate him to the point where he would do that? That's that's my burning question. I didn't know George. I only know what you told me of him and what I was told. I think he tried to save uh, Regina's life. I think that's what he did it for. That's the only thing that tracks for me. I think he had a feeling that with the upcoming end of the world, that, that something was going to happen to her. So he took matters into his own hands. I... Yeah. And I realize I have additional biases here, because I see a father sacrificing a daughter for his own agenda, right? And I'm trying to fight those biases, biases, but that does... That explanation fits in my head also. I think George was deep into this, whatever this is. And I don't think we're going to know more until we probe a little deeper into whatever this whatever this mythology is. Right? I mean, whatever it was, he knew. He He knew when he came to me originally, he had already gone through the process of decoding and understanding this book I think I mean on the one hand it looks like maybe he was a bit obsessed but I also want to believe that his heart was in the right place when did George first come to you where does that fall on this timeline before or after CPS took Regina Uh, well it was around the same time it was three years ago Uh, Tom would I do we know when she was taken? Uh, we didn't get the dates specifically there. It's around the same time. So I feel like mm, they told us that uh, the pastor had been wrong before. He'd predicted an apocalypse before. Yes. I wonder if that was three years ago. Like it feels like there was a spike there, and now there's another spike. And uh, it was response it, to those right. spikes. It it, it was, was about three years ago. But there was one even before that, I think. Right? Because George okay. mentioned it when when he came to me. He mentioned that that the, this pastor was predicting this, and it was it was 1990, and that was the the there was some particular time. It was very soon after this point when when George had mentioned this, mm. and Look, now this is all happening again. And I hate. Balfour, I think he's a prick, but in my job, often I have to put myself in people's shoes and try to think how they think. Right. Imagine you're you're in power of this whole thing, and you're going to be wrong again. Right. Do you think he th- thinks that he's going to be wrong? I think so. I think I think it probably scares him. So I'm with Fred here. I I like to think base all people that pull cons. Let's say that in the most generous terms, yeah. know that they're con men. I Maybe don't, at I some don't, point they stop dis, they stop believing it, but they know. I, 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 I don't think that's what's going on here. It's a small part. They, I think they managed to fool even themselves, 
but you can't you can't just wash this off. I think somebody else fooled him. He didn't come up with this. No, he didn't. You're right. He was he was told about this in Africa and it seems like I don't know. I I think he really honestly believes it. I don't I don't I don't think he does. His first intention was to be a con man. No, you're right. But it still stays the same. He's going to be he's still going to be wrong if if the date passes and nothing happens. Yeah. And he'll come up with another so, date. Yep. Willow looks concerned. What if there was a punishment for being wrong last time? I just had an idea. Um so star charts. Uh the the star charts that are in the back of that book. Star right. charts are uh indicators of time. Um there was nine of them, is that correct? And each one had a component to this nine sided um ritual circle. I'm right. Okay. There was some number of them and and I wonder if those were each moments in time that he's basing this information off of. We should we should see if we can figure that out at some point. Yeah, what do you need to figure that out? Um, Time in paper? What's, what, uh, what's it's, an ephemeris? It, uh, an astrological ephemeris is basically a reference book of the position of the stars at various points in time. So if you know a star chart, you can figure out what time and day that is. Um, as long as you know where it was made. Like, what the geographical location was. Which we can assume was either here or Kenya. Do you own one of these? Yes. Can we go get it? Well, yes. It's going to take a while. Ideally, I, I don't want to go too far from CPS. Um, okay. Because I, I, re- I do think that the Miss Peel could, could be the breakthrough we need, really. How about, does Barnes & Nobles have one? Because we, <laughs> they we don't have the internet. You know what I'm saying? We're in... Yeah, we got to go to a store and buy a book. Yeah, they they might have one. Um, it's worth a shot. So you've given Willow a logical path to follow. Willow's gonna want to follow this path now. I just see. These, Are we going to the bookstore? These, yeah, these yeah. Hard motherfuckers. Let's do this. Going to Barnes and Noble. Yeah. I, uh, wait, we're two and a half hard motherfuckers. No yeah. offense to Dorothy at all, like all love of the world, but like two and a half. I'm You're not wrong. All right, so um, Barnes and Noble is, is one of the anchor stores of a, of a nice uh, mall. You know, mm-hmm. one of the many suburban malls you know, here in, in Houston. Yeah, you got your Barnes and Noble. You got um, you got your Cheesecake Factory. If you guys are interested in having a bite to eat, there's also uh, it's still a Radio Shack here, but it, even at this point, Radio Shack is starting to downsize and of course this blockbuster video very busy blockbuster video you know but barnes and noble here is you know is actually it's a very got a large footprint um, it's on the corner of the mall so it's got you know, two entrances and you know it's air conditioned it's got some little small love seats and chairs and maybe even a little coffee bar inside if you want to relax with some books so the three of you enter into barnes and noble and we'll let dorothy Go to the section, and uh, you want to give me a luck roll, Dorothy? Sure. Um, so, uh, the American Ephemeris 
Um, Barnes and Noble does sell it. I'm gonna roll luck real quick. And Let's see if it's in. Yep. Let's I just want to point out: as soon as we like get almost in the doors, Willow realizes what she's done, and now she has to go exist with all these people in Barnes and Nobles for however long this takes, and she's not not pleased with her own choices. That's uh, a 23 on luck. All right. So, um, Dorothy, you go to the appropriate section, which um, I'm trying to think what they would call the section that would have it. Any thoughts on that? Uh, it would probably lean closer to, like, uh, it would either be in, like, Mythology? a New Age section, new age or, yeah. or it could possibly be in a science section. Yeah. It'd be in a New Age section in South new Texas. Age. I could, For oh, sure. Yeah. And you'll, the New Age section here in the Houston Barnes & Noble is not as big as it would be like in Austin, for instance. Um, but thankfully, it is in the bottom corner of the bookstore. It's right there. It's untouched. It's got a 20% off sticker on it. Uh, so if you want to purchase that, you got it. Yeah, so I think um, before buying it, Dorothy would like flip through it and just make sure. I'd be looking for 20th century. So that, that should cover all the dates, you know, from 1900 to 2000, basically. Um, yeah, it, and as long as... It, through the end of the century, this one goes through. Uh, yeah, so it, it should go up to 2000. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and she would just make sure it's, like, user-friendly. You know, that it's something that we could pick up and roll with. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, I think she'll pick it up. Yeah. And it, it looks user-friendly and also somewhat rudimentary. Okay, but it'll get the job done. It's you know, more for novices who are interested in, in their star chart, astrological natal charts, whatever, and not really seasoned, experienced practitioners. But it, it'll do the job. So you can do it whatever reference work you want. You, 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 you pay cash or credit for it. Your choice. Uh, cash. Buy okay, well, she'll, she'll buy it on cash. All right. Yeah, they ring you up, give you a receipt, and um, you want to work on it here or go elsewhere. Um, how long do I think it will take? Do we have the images with us? I think you you, you do. I was, I'm going to assume you have them in the car. Okay. All right. I would assume, yeah. It's pretty important. George's yep. notebook type thing. Yeah. Um, let's take a peek at it here. Let's just see if we can crack it real quick. Right. Um, yeah, as soon as you show obvious intent to go sit at a table, Willow just like hangs her head. Okay. Follows you. <laughs> And, and this so, Barnes & Noble does have a little coffee bar built into it. Nice. Yeah, so we can pop over there, get some coffee. and Fred already has coffee. I just feel like it would be in his hand and nobody know where it came from. Yeah. Uh, you, you, yep, that's exactly what I was going to say. He comes back with a coffee. Yeah, it's just like... Yeah. Yep. Coffee black. So I have never personally uh, used one of these, but I've seen them. And my understanding of it is um, the way that those charts work is that they're, they're um, continuous and, and reliable. So all of the angles shift at a, a regular pace. So it's basically like winding a clock back. So we can take a look at where things are and just kind of start figuring out from there. Okay, you know, it's in these positions that are, those are relevant to this. I would start with now. I would start with like whatever, August 15th, uh, 1993. Um, yeah, I think August 15th and then see, can we find something in there that matches one of these charts that we have from the book? Good. And then, and, yeah. And for my purposes, uh, I'll go with occult. What is Dorothy's occult? 
Uh, her cult's actually pretty good. Let me find out. I think it's 60. One sec. Fred, are, are we playing Go Fish? Are we playing... What, what are we playing? <laughs> We're playing not being happy being at yeah. all. Uh, it yep. is indeed 60. I'm going to roll on it. At a 60, you don't have to roll. That's a, that's a oh, high enough okay. level. That basically, you're competent enough that you know what you're doing and we don't have to worry about you. Perfect. Messing it up. So it, it'll take a little bit of time and study, but with the 60, you can manage it. So while you're going through and, and piecing together and backtracking this, Fred and Willow are drinking coffee quietly. Um, and it's a pretty quiet, peaceful environment here. There's some murmured conversation from time to time. Some customers talking to each other as they walk by. You know, a kid bugging their mother for a, a book or a toy or something. So, um, Fred, you're the first one to notice this. That The, the people at the, chair, the table next to you um, both have these like kind of bandages um, kind of on the side of their neck and then on the shoulder. They both similarly have well, they both have these kind of bandages. All right. And one of them is like the part of the wrist is a bit bandaged up in the arm as well. And as you look around the coffee shop as well, you spot two other people at different tables that also seem to have um, some wounds that are bandaged. Um, and they don't seem to be too worried about these wounds. They're not seeping with blood or ichor or whatnot. But you, see, you find it to be an odd coincidence that at least four people around you in this small coffee shop seem to have some sort of maybe burns or something. He, he just kind of looks around, lets out a good just <sighs> takes a big sip and carries on so yeah willow also is if you trust her attention willow with the medical training all right notice the dressings appear to be something you would put on a burn for instance or some other uh, an injury where the skin needs to breathe uh, so it's a like a light gauze um, it could be any kind of you know burn is your best guess but it does seem like an odd coincidence to see several people here with, the, you know, with the similar injuries in different places in their body. So as I noticed that and like processed through all that, I would just lean over and tap Dorothy on the shoulder and uh, ask her, what's the next plague? Um, without looking up, she, uh, she just says, um, boils. Why? Thanks. No reason. Okay. Just kind of looks at Fred, goes back to drinking coffee. We'll say it takes maybe 20 minutes or so, you know, of study for, for Dorothy. Um, and then what you basically do is you track back. And what, you're, what you're looking with the star chart is it, it, you know, it's going to essentially show you a moment in time when the stars and the planets are in specific positions. And as you rewind time to see when that occurred previously, correct? Um, not quite. So, so are all of the star charts that we have from the book the same, or are they different? Uh, it traces. Uh, we'll put it this way. I, I'm not. I don't know these books that well. So I'm going to assume it's essentially giving you all the planets and um and the twelve major constellations. Yep. And maybe some other guide stars or whatnot. So it's each of those celestial bodies, objects, or whatever that are tracked has their own separate section of the book. And you, know, and you get to the, the, the timetables, the schedules, of where they would be at what time and period. 
you know, and you can you can work out each one of them individually. You know, and it's got a couple of other important um, unifications. It's got some eclipses it's tracking as well. Yep. You know, it's tracking, uh, what else would be? Probably a couple of comets it would track as well. So it's just different celestial bodies that historically people have kept track of. And it's it's got some records in there for you to track where they would be, you know, both forward and backward in time. Yep. So so what I'm curious about is in, um, in George's notebook or in uh, John Balfour's, like, Bible are the images that we have of these different, the eight or nine star charts, are they all different star charts? Do they have different alignments? Uh, they do, but um, if you put them all together like George did, um, number one, you can create a, that, that rune or circle that you yep. discover. Uh, but it also, um, it shows different planets at different times, but each of the charts seems to feature different celestial bodies. So the- none of them are complete? Yeah, so, so like one of them will show where like let's say Mars, Venus, and Orion the Hunter are, and just mm-hmm. just show those three. Another one will show two or three other bodies. So as you put them all together, you get one big picture of the sky, you know, from looking at all eight of them. And, and I'll put it this way: as you track to find when that you want to know when that previously occurred or when that occurs next. Um. So the first thing that she would do just is please. look at uh, right. Um. She would she would look at. Um, Sunday in in the book, basically she would figure out, okay, what is um what is the star chart going to look like for Sunday? Now, if it were modern day, we could just punch that date into Google and and get a star chart. But um, looking at that, she would then try to work out: is this the same as this whole one that we have by combining them all? Is this the same? And yeah, so I guess we'll start there. Is it the same? Yeah, as she looks two days ahead in time, um, and as you know from experience, this, this, it won't change that much in two days. Right. So um, from you know today and Sunday, it looks almost identical. But it, if you look at the charts, the, it, the drawing is from the, you know, the book of the Passover angel. And yep. what's in here, you're seeing, yeah, the Venus is the same spot. Mars is in the same spot. It looks like Jupiter's. In the, it, things are aligning, and things are just about to align. As yep, far okay. as days from now, it's it's almost the book almost matches the charts. Yep. So then then she'll she'll look at when that has previously occurred and when it will next occur. Yeah. And it takes her a good twenty minutes or so to kind of you know go one at a time and find something because many of them occur you know multiple times in in a year and some of them occur just a couple times. But anyhow. Um, Going back about three years, it actually just short of three years, it looks like. It looked like is back in October of 1990 was the last time this same alignment occurred. So almost three years ago. Okay. Okay. So she'll look up at this point and she'll say, I think, I think that's it. I think this is... I think this chart is the prediction. It's not about a day. It's it's about the stars being right. It's literally about the alignments. So this is a map. And I think this is what John Balfour was using to figure out when his supposed apocalypse is going to happen. So Wait. who in Africa taught him how to understand the stars at this level and why? That's a very good question. Hold on. Does that mean just 
last time when this aligned, was Regina there? Or was she with CPS? That's when she got sick, isn't it? That's. I don't think we have a clear date on either of those things, but it was it was just under three years ago. Yeah, which is about the time that that uh, George came to talk to me. I'm not a fan of coincidence, but all of that aligns pretty well in that area. That was George's doing. I don't see who else. What you mean, uh, Regina going uh, getting taken? Yeah. Yeah, I I think. I think that's almost certainly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Be- okay. Interesting. You're, you're saying because he thought this was going to happen and he wanted to get yeah. her away from the family like he did now. Yeah. Interesting. Because he he's scared for her. Yeah. So, yeah. my other stupid theory is that the punishment that I mentioned earlier. Maybe that's why Regina's sick. That's interesting. How would Fred have reacted to Willow saying that? Oh man. <laughs> Let me roll for it. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> 89. Um which Yeah, it it, it, it busts my human. Um Like his eyes go white. Willow would have noticed that you had a reaction. Yeah. Yep. He shifts kind of uncomfortably on his chair. So I, I have written down in my notes um, what we had heard originally, I think, was CPS took Regina because of the illness, saying that this may have been caused by abuse. And, she was and, for three weeks. and also, the CPS supervisor didn't say that was a reason that they took her. Right, but I wonder if Lindsay Peel will be able to tell us a little more. So when we were talking about Lindsay Peel and Willow's all of this in character, like like at this point Willow's like super secret agent at the table, like we're talking about this quietly, right? Yep. We're still in a Barnes and Nobles. Um, child abuse, dangerous environment, and neglect for the reasons that Lindsay Peel wrote down, which on our prevailing theory from George's point of view, all of those things were occurring. I have a problem with this whole theory because we're well outside of what we can prove. Right. But that seems to be a little bit more... You guys seem more comfortable there than I am. And she just kind of like... Walls it off at that. Like, So, um, Fred, your, your, um, your pager vibrates. Yep. And there's a, a number appears on the display. Yep. You'll... Um... He's not going to reply to what Willow said. Uh, he's going to get up and, and head to a, um, a payphone. Yeah. So you've got two options. Uh, I can actually more than two. I'll give, you, I'll give you three. First option is here in the Barnes & Noble, uh, by the restrooms, there's a payphone. You know, they, they got an interior payphone by the two restrooms inside the store. Option two is in the mall. This would be a payphone, and then option three is probably somewhere on the exterior. You'll find one, which is out in the heat and humidity. Outside. Got it. So it, uh, you, Fred walks around a bit, but it, there's, you know, outside you'll eventually next to uh, some newspaper dispensers, um, you know, and a, a, a smoking area, and there's a couple payphones on the outside of the mall, not far from the entrance. 
It's mm-hmm. still hot. It's, it's the day is later now. It's, it's around 4.30. Still sunny. Sun's still in the sky. Still baking. Air is still thick and heavy. But, you know, but you got work to do. He adjusts his shirt a bit because it's so hot. Picks up the phone. Well, before picking up the phone, just says, I wish it was fucking snow. Then yeah. answers rather calls. So you punch in the number from your, uh, you got paged. You yep. Quarters in the the phone. It rings a few times. Uh, the, after a couple of rings, uh, voice right. picks up, says, hey, oh, oh, yeah, hello, this is the Department of um, Child Support Services. Um, you recognize the voice. It's, it's Miss Jackson calling you. Are you answering the phone? Yes, hello, uh, Miss Jackson. This is uh, Frederick Fontaine. We spoke. Uh... Oh, that's right, Agent. Uh, Mr. Fontaine, uh, I, I'm the one that paged you. Um, I just checked in with my one of my supervisors. Miss Peel isn't at work today. Um, she called in sick yesterday, and she hasn't come in today as well. So uh, when it's Friday, uh, we can get a hold of her on Monday, I suppose, if you need to speak to her when she comes back. Um, hopefully that'll be sufficient. Yeah, uh, well, sadly, it, it isn't. Um, listen, this thing needs to get moving. We'll go speak to her. Um... I, I, she's at home sick, as far as I understand. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Well, if, if she can speak, it's not going to be a problem. Uh, well, I, um, I guess if this is what you need to find that little girl. Um, I'll, all right, it's, it's fine. It's fine. She she digs around her desk a little bit. Says, "All right, um, if you please do a favor, uh, just call in advance. I I think I don't want you surprising one of my workers at the door. She'll think that she's in trouble or something." So here's her phone number. So she gives you her phone number for Rome. And yep. this is her residence and gives you the address as well. Thank you very much. Uh, I'll be sure to leave her a call before we, we okay. go okay. there. I, I hope it helps. I hope you, we find that little girl. I'm sure it will. Thank you very much. All right. I thank you. Good luck, Agent. Hmm. All right. She hangs up. Hangs up. Doesn't call her. Goes to the, uh, to the other two. What'd you find out? She called in sick. Today? Funny coincidence, huh? Yeah. She uh, gave me her phone number and her address. I don't think calling her is a good idea. Oh, okay. Why? Willow stands up and hands you a coffee. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's already walking, but realizes Dorothy still has a whole bunch of books. Thank you. <laughs> he kind of, like, stops it. Hey, thanks. Um, because I can't really tell you why. Okay. Dorothy starts up, backing up. Is going to make more of an impact, and we need to get her talking. Okay. Right. Okay. Everyone leaves the Barnes & Noble, gets back to the car, starts it up. Fred is driving, right? Yep. Yeah. All right. Um, You guys get the map of the city out, find the address on the map, and then whoever's in the front passenger seat can help Fred navigate their way to to Miss Lindsay Peel's house. So it's... um, it's just about five o'clock. Traffic is picking up. It's another hot day. It's a Friday. Everyone is heading out. So it slows things down a bit. Um, but you, you get there. It takes maybe 35, 40 minutes, but you're able to arrive at a residence. It's in a, a suburb to the north of Houston. Um, and the houses here all look relatively similar. Um, they're small family homes. So nothing ostentatious, nothing large, nothing bigger than maybe a three-bedroom. Um, but they each have a pretty sizable lot. 
um, you know, and they're offset from the street. There's some, some trees running along the side of the street, you know, and people are coming home. People are, you know, done with their work day, so we have some traffic, getting the kids and whatnot. Um, as you pull up to the residence you see on your piece of paper, um, you don't see a vehicle in the driveway, number one. You don't see any lights on in the house. Uh, you don't see any activity. But the house looks pretty ordinary, like a light blue paint, um, kind of low flat roof, ranch style. But the, you see no activity, uh, no indication that anybody is home today. Fred drives once in front of the house just to have a look. He parks farther away, maybe a block away. Car stops. Do you want us yep. to come with you? Sure. Okay. Chill and buckle. Willow says, hold on. And so Willow would have her bag with her and she pulls out. Uh, so this is in 93. This would be insane. She pulls out surgical mask and gloves and says, I assume you want to make an impression. She said she was sick. Let's show that we're prepared and we know more than she does. So here you go. Hands them out. Mm. Okay. Thanks. All right. So the three of you then walk from the car down the sidewalk, past several other houses, um, stop in front of Miss Peel's house. How do you want to approach? Fred is absolutely locked in. Uh, he he's got he's got like a something to bite on now, uh, and he's he's going for it. Um, he's walking fast. Um, he. He looks at the house. He looks at the at, at the empty parking, um, and she just goes for it. She just knocks out the door okay. three times. So he pounds on the door a few times. So Willow would hit the corner of the garage and be like, "Willow's now in backup mode." If Fred is like that into it, Willow is now a DEA agent and clearing the corners and stuff like that. Uh, you knock a few times. You hear the sound of the knocking. There's no response. Uh, as you look through some of the windows, there's no lights on in the interior. Um, there's no activity. Uh, Willow checks around the corner into the backyard, the you know, empty driveway, empty garage. Uh, the garage door is closed. You don't see any activity at the garage. Um, if you peer over the fence, the backyard looks empty and still. Uh, as far as you can tell, there's no police He knocks again. Yeah. Just for, just to make sure. But there's no response to the knock. He lets out a heartfelt tabarnak, uh, and just he kind of walks back on, on the street. Uh, he's pacing like a caged animal. Uh, he thought he had it, but she's not there. Willow comes up to him, and she's still alert, right? Like jacket pulled back, sidearm still accessible, right? If she's there, she's not going to respond to us. Are we going to push this further? Are we going to go chase something else? What is there else to chase? Dorothy looks a little bit nervous. Willow doesn't notice. Okay. Like, this is work now, right? Like, this is... So, like, Willow just looks at Fred, so let's go in? Yeah. Okay. He kind of looks at Willow, that she's willing, just barge in. Just kind of, he, he kind of waits there, just making sure. So Willow goes to the side of the door that is the, not the person who kicks, but the person who goes in first. Yep. Puts her hand on her hip and just looks at her.
stories All the little worries you cried They tell me what the world needs What to say, who to please Where my loyalties should lie Travel 